crinkles. <laughs> it is the crinkles. Yes, it is the crinkles. Um, well, welcome to you both. Uh, good to see you this week. Thank you for having yeah, me. It's great to see you. Thank you. Oh, um, what what's new? What's happening? <laughs> what's new? <laughs> I went I went for a long walk just now, and I looked at mm-hmm. like dried. Um, Denver is really in prime dried husk season <laughs> for things, and like interesting weird seed pods and alleys and. Uh, yeah, I remember that. Wow. Yeah. It's one of my favorite like little mini seasons is like You know my <laughs> the my most hated my most hated uh Denver mini season is approaching which is uh moth season. Moths. Yeah. Like when the Miller moths those moths ruined my life. <laughs> I hated those moths. It's like they're moths that are perfectly calibrated to be the right size to um so that you can like feel them when your eyes are closed and you're trying to sleep. <laughs> Mm-hmm. When, when, yeah. when J when Jay Michael was in middle school, he got one of those lodged in his ears at a slumber party oh and like God. just yeah. busted out oh. of the house, ran, ran down the street and just thought it was like a ghost or something. Yeah, because I was gonna say that you were describing plague seasons is what you guys is what y'all are describing so far. <laughs> is what you lived through. It's a it's a good point. Um Speaking of plague seasons, we watched uh, three movies this week, as we always do, and they are uh, Derek Jarman's 1987 film, The Last of England. By the way, a truly unhinged selection of three movies once again by us here. Uh, So yeah, we watched The Last of England by Derek Jarman. We watched Point Break, uh, the Catherine Bigelow movie from 1991. Starring uh, Swayze and Reeves. Um, and we watched the uh, alternate title, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation, or The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I didn't uh, know that. I didn't know that. They... Kim Hankel. Yeah. 1995. Wow. Yeah. I didn't know either until I was like trying to Google it. And both were coming up. Um, so... Really, three very quite different movies that we <laughs> subjected ourselves to this week. Um, I mean, you uh, can work yeah. backwards from the twirling at the end of any of them. Oh though, yeah, thank but... you. I knew there was yeah. a, a connection. So, so um, the each movie does well. Texas Chainsaw Massacre: The Next Generation doesn't really have twirling at the end. Does well, no. It? I mean, I, I guess it's right before oh, the original right for te- the oh. Does does Leatherface spin at the end of at the end of the original? There's no spinning. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's so, the yeah. original. Yeah, and this one has the spin reference okay. at least. Okay. Yeah. Which quote, was, I mean, quote. when he's trying to get into the like RV or whatever, you would count that as spinning, I think. No, but I mean, okay, I, I think fair. there is that one screaming kind of you know just moaning, screaming, spinning. Mm-hmm. With the chainsaw at the end, just quickly, and then it mm-hmm. and then it fades into the what whether it's a hospital or a facility that Renee mm-hmm. that Renee's gotten into. Yeah, um, glad y'all saw and that. It's... Glad you could come down with me. That is one. I just needed someone. <laughs> I needed to pull someone down in in with me just for a second. 
Yeah, I thought maybe we could tell some. So, what is your? I've heard you talk about this movie before, but what's your like childhood memory of this? Is it not? Did you see uh, it in the theater? No, no. But again, was um, it even in the theater? No, I I doubt it. I mean, it just feels like it snuck snuck up on me at the time. In a lot, in a lot of ways. No, I again, I think I I just saw it kind of accidentally alone, wrongly, Uh and Uh or rightly, as the case may be. I just I'm starting to realize week by week that I never really there's so much that I didn't unpack like no I don't think I I don't think I even knew to ask to unpack many things that the have gone bags on. were left entirely packed this this bag's been packed this bag has been fully packed for a long time I've been oh, warning man. I've been warning y'all about it and I'm glad I'm glad we got to it. But no, I mean, I just think like yeah. the. And, but for for instance, the the nip the the pig like nipples on the dude when uh-huh. he at the, at the end of Rothman near the at the very near the very end, and when he says, you know, yeah. I want I want them to see the true horror. And as a kid, I really thought that was that was striking to me. But yeah. those nipples are there only for a second, and in my mind, in my memory, I have stretched those nipples out to be the this the longest. This this longest window of time that I was horrified as a younger person, and it's not true. It's just oh, not true. Man. So I'm glad I got yeah. to see it again and realize his nipples are there for I mean, those. Are... those are, it's such a strange, and there's that that just the maze like you know carvings on his mm. on his mm-hmm. torso that I just want to know more yeah. about. Talk about unpacking. Like I would love to unpack. Yeah, whatever he's got going on under his shirt, but. Never, uh, you know, alas, so the, alas. The image that sticks with you from this movie, or that stuck with you, is the is those nipples, though. No, and McConaughey's just that the the robot leg is um, yeah. is amazing, and the crushing with the leg is powerful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and Renee mm-hmm. Zellweger is pretty amazing in it. And actually, the actually, the, the ch- uh, and the chasing, and there, there's a good there's a good chase in it, or pretty good, yeah, a Leatherface chase in there. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I thought it was pretty. It's pretty good. That's, it's held up pretty well. To me, Leatherface at his scariest is chasing you through the woods. Yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. That, that's when Leatherface is at his best. But I guess some of the things that not not that they show up over and over in what we what we're watching, but just like this, it is just terrifying. This idea of just like wanting, thinking that this next person is going to help you. And, and mm. isn't you know and that and just like kind of that that's the nightmare within the nightmare of this particular yeah. one and Good that point. it does kind of just fall back on who we are who, who we are to each other and yeah kind of simple simple shit just like point break but um and last <laughs> no that's such a truth it's such a true thing that you just said about the texas chainsaw movies in general like that sort of is i never thought of it this way but that is the the like operating principle is like you keep you keep like having these moments of respite and in those moments of respite you look you look to your fellow human for yeah help. it's like look to the helper and, and just and it's like everyone is worse than look the next over, yeah, it's like, like, <laughs> no it's just not gonna work out <laughs> look for the helpers <laughs> it's real mr rogers <laughs> i have to oh, say man. i really liked uh I really liked Heather and Jenny as as characters, although like Heather's uh, 
Heather's dialogue was so interesting because it's like, <laughs> um, it, wait, it, is Heather like the other like, woman in the car at the beginning? Like the the other uh, high school Heather's, girl? Heather's the woman who's like not Renee Zellweger. Oh yeah, the but yeah, like yeah. The... but not the bad person, like the the other high school girl. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, okay, okay. And um, you know, at one point she is like basically explaining who she is as a character to another yeah, yeah. character who knows her. And like, it was really interesting. I mean, like that take wasn't interesting, but seeing like uh, someone perform that was really mm-hmm. kind of fascinating in a way. And um, Renee Zellweger was really good. I mean, did, uh, Seth Parker, do you have um, an enduring impression around Matthew McConaughey or Renee Zellweger because of this? Or did you like not connect that that's who that was when you were a kid? You just sort of, saw them as like mm. people in this movie because they weren't famous to you. And then later on, like when did you, were you saying, and so you, you were texting and saying that this he, the film the same year is dazed and confused. Is that true? Is that true? Well, it's because yeah, I'm, trying, was, to, was, I'm trying to figure shelved. out, I think I kind of like resisted a little dazed and confused, but there must've been a time. So I was trying to look this up. I'm it trying to figure out, out what time I was figuring these people It probably out. was filmed it was filmed in the summer of 93 and Dazed and Confused came out in 93 um and then it was like um it was screened according to Wikipedia it was screened in 95 See and then but it wasn't like released but like so the release date is it it really wasn't and then it got like recut after 95 mm, and was released in like the middle to late 97 Whoa. And so, like, so yeah, it basically that's what like I felt like released over like a four year period. Yeah, I felt like maybe I had seen like Jerry Maguire or something, and then yeah, and yeah. then saw this and it was like, holy shit, this was Renee Zellweger's like one of her first movies. And, and uh, but at the time, just being blown away by a couple of those scenes that I just thought were completely beyond what I thought these two actors might be interested in doing. Um, but like, kind of really, really early movies for both of them. And like you, well, and so, like you were saying, just to have to kind of go through the performance of this is is very, very dungeon esque, you know, stuff that McConaughey like, <laughs> McConaughey's uh, throwing out there. And, it's and I'm just sure blowing my mind, like that, that like by the time this movie came out, he he had been, she was in Jerry Maguire, and he had been in um, a Time to Kill already like a time to kill was the year before this really came out and like boys on the side and stuff like so he would like both of them had like kind of taken off yeah i didn't realize that that's that's like really crazy to think about they shelved it and just kind of held on to it and it kind of snuck and it probably just snuck out into hbo and whatever showtime and whatever Mm -hmm. uh late night strangeness that i kind of stumbled into but uh (laughs) Well, yeah, but and I didn't see the original uh, Chainsaw Massacre till what the last few years actually. So this yeah. this was like the only thing thing in that universe for me for a long time. It, I, it's a I good, watched, weird place to begin from. Yeah, actually, yeah. to begin to begin the the Chainsaw verse like uh, for, with with like a deep cut, like weirdly <laughs> delayed McConaughey yeah. recovery joint. Mm. Like, I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre for the first time, like, since we've been doing this podcast, and mm-hmm. it really struck me in this movie how, like, I don't, like, it's so interesting to think about just, like, what makes a movie 
cohere as like a thing. Well, so this movie is like significantly less scary, I think, mm-hmm. than the original. Mm-hmm. And and I'm not sure why. It's not like the things that he's do that are being done to the people aren't as horrible. Like they're just as horrible in many ways. But like there's just like I think I texted you guys during the movie that like that like Leatherface just has like far less dignity, I thought, in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like as a there he just like doesn't hold together as like something there's like something so much more terrifying about him in the original to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I think it just comes down to like filmmaking. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> That's such a good all purpose answer. I think it just comes down to filmmaking is like an accurate answer to any, yeah. any question we might pose. But yeah, right? no, it's, it's like, I, yeah, it's how it's shot. It's, it's like, you know, yeah. if, if it was a different quality of like, you know, if, if it were grainy, if there were more distance, if it was more like sort of like, you know, if the timing was different, if the edits were different. Timing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the yeah. the cuts are like the the way, like that. Um, yeah, some I, of the cohesion. Get... Yeah, cohesion is not is not is not there when you want when you need it to be for that tension to yeah to hold up or yeah, something. like the first in this movie, the first time Leatherface kills somebody i think is like when he hits that guy in the head which is like a similar kill to like his first kill in the house in um in the original and but it's just like it's so much less scary in this movie and like i don't know it's just uh yeah i don't know yeah like a self-awareness a self-tiredness to it but again like mcconaughey and zellweg are trying to surf this thing yeah. Oh, they're doing an amazing so spin job. and surf this thing into another dimension, yeah. which is which is so fun. Um, in some ways, it feels like the two of them are in a totally different movie than everyone else in the movie. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. It does. and I can't it tell really if it's does. just their like innate movie starness, kind of like jumping yeah, off the it, screen. Or... It, anything could be their vehicle to. Yeah, it's like Nick Cage. Yeah, coming coming with coming with the thunder. Every, you know. I mean, Renee so, Zellweger is basically like um, Sissy Spacek and Carrie or something at the beginning of this. You yeah, know? yeah. Mm. Um, Bas, why did you want us to watch Last of England? What's I What's just, your like? Uh, well, do you have like a, I mean, a like a an origin story with Derek Jarman? <laughs> um. Oh God, I don't. I don't know if I do. I have a lot of fleeting impressions that I don't know that I can plot in time. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But like. Um, when I watch it, I watch it for like, I mean, I, I love, there's some Tilda Swinton in it. At yeah. The end. Oh yeah. Um, it's true. So, and, uh, I do like, uh, I, I, um, I also like some of the guys, some of the like punks who are like, mm. um, kicking things and whatever, uh, look like one of my good friends that I lost track of. Um, <laughs> my friend, Mike Lewis, who I grew up with. And, uh, then I kind of, came in and out of my life for a while but he has a name like michael lewis so it's yeah. like really hard to so like uh, and then I, mike I if you're listening about, yeah mike if you're listening i really would love to hang out i'm sure yeah. you would be great um yeah. but uh also just um you know i'm not as into some parts of this like the the voiceover i think is like not my favorite but i really mm. love people walking around in like rubble with flares mm. yeah um mm. and i i think that, that like i texted uh, to some friends uh, last night that uh 
um, this is a movie about rubble and flares, yeah. you know, like it it's really true. is like you could, you know, I, I know a little bit about it, like sort of retroactively, that there's like a reading of it that it's about like his father being like a bombardier of World War Two and mm. kind of bombings in Europe mm. and the rubble. And then also like it. I mean, I actually think about the the way that a lot of people have talked about it in a really surface way is that it's like basically a meditation on like Thatcher's England, to, you know, yeah. and like the like all of the sort of um, the destruction and suffering and all that stuff. Um <laughs> So, so I, I don't know. It's a little bit, uh, it's more of a recent dungeon for me, but I just, I find it really beautiful. I also wanted yeah. to watch something that like, um, there that I didn't know how we would talk about because there's yeah, yeah. not really plot. And, yeah. and like, so it was a little bit of like an Alipo like thing that I was tossing your way. Um, yeah. and, and uh, Point Break was just such a delight, you know? It was such a joy to be with this film, too. I know. Um, but um, also, I just love Derek Jarre. I, 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 you know, there's an, another movie called Der- uh, like The Garden. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Gardens or whatever that. that I like even more than this one. And um, I have, a, I have like, a book that's about Derek Jarman's garden. And yeah. uh, I think it was someplace in Australia. So I think a lot about him as a person and yeah. as a like as someone who i i i uh <laughs> i value his aesthetic in many ways you know? well i love what you said it, it it was really interesting to watch something like plotless alongside mm-hmm. these other two movies i mean like because texas chainsaw massacre almost doesn't have a plot either like mm-hmm. um it like uh the the plot is just like it's gonna be horrible yeah. until it isn't <laughs> yeah. basically like it's gonna be um <laughs> whereas like point break is like pretty carefully like you know like going mm-hmm. from point a to point b you know but, pers- like, but pursuing it's... the rubble you know the, the, that's what's so beautiful about it. i mean like and i guess the other two really are yeah. about you know we are the we are the rubble but uh mm. but yeah it's the swayze pursuit of the rubble is so is so nice oh you're talking point about break. point break yeah well, i was just saying you know that i i'm yeah, I didn't know where you were leaning. I didn't know where which yeah, yeah. flavor you were leaning. Well, wait, can I tell you my Point Break origin story? Oh, yeah. Maybe I've already told it. I can't even remember if I told it on this podcast. But tell, um, tell it. One of my one of my first like important movie memories uh, is um, it must have been like when I was I must have been like ten because it was like we had this we had like got it at the video store like we rented it mm-hmm. and. Um, there was this, I, I forget what holiday it was, but like there was this day, maybe it was Christmas or something. Um, like my mom's side of the family, we were all at someone's house, maybe at our house. I can't remember even where we were, but basically like it became like the end of the, like the end of the like planned festivities had come and everyone decided they wanted to watch a movie. And it like settled into this like incredibly like gendered disagreement around like what to watch. Mm. And what literally happened was that all the women in my, in the family went to one person's house and watched beaches and all the men went to another house and watched point break. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never seen beaches. I would watch the hell out of beaches. I know we should watch beaches. I've, I've actually still never oh, seen should it. Have told me that. Like, oh man. Yeah. Um, so it was like, it just felt like, 
I have a lot of like ways of thinking about that in retrospect yeah. that like trouble me in some ways. Yeah. But at the time, it, at the time, it was this like it was in- actually like incredibly exciting to just like like go off into these like groups like yeah. these um yeah like to to have membership in the group of men kind of was like <laughs> exciting to me and um and this movie like you were saying just now i mean like even when you're 10 this movie is just like such a fucking like fun movie to watch yeah and um and it it was like as a 10 year old it's like pretty scary too like the scene where Man, I, I've been this, a thing I've been realizing about myself is that like scenes in movies where two characters make like really intense eye contact with each other, if it's like shot the right way, just scares the fucking shit out of me. Wow! And so that that scene where Keanu like blows out his knee and is like firing the gun in the air, like Swayze gets uh, away yeah, climbing over, yeah. the, and they have that like really intense eye contact through the Ronald Reagan mask, like oh. Um, and it just like as a kid that scared the shit out of me. Mm. It really like, mm. uh, it, but the whole movie was just like so exciting and like, um, it like, it holds up to rewatching in these like in in like as a good movie, but also like in as like a hilarious joke of a movie. Oh man, some um, of the lines it, are so are yeah. just so amazing. You know, this time one oh. thing that really got me was Busey's like the the argument they have up on Mulholland Drive at the beginning of the movie, like. Um, where Keanu like tricks him into like getting angry, basically, and is and then is like, like let's go catch these guys. <laughs> Do you know, you know how many uh people have probably seen Point Break and been like, I'm gonna pull the Keanu move, and they just yeah. like completely like tear somebody apart, and then it just like ends, and then they don't they don't make yeah. that critical Keanu like kind of building you know, him back up. Keanu yeah, they, they're not. Like you real, it's easy to break somebody down, Busey style, but it's really hard to like have the oh. Keanu, re, the, the Keanu reconstruction <laughs> that like yeah, yeah. Is, is 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 fuel for like. Um, I mean, really, in that scene, what we're looking at is the resurrection of Gary. Oh, Gary, dude, yeah. so beautiful that you said it, man. And what I, a, so beautiful a, that you said a it. A really good performance by Busey in this movie. Like yeah. he's so good in it. He's just one. He's one yeah. of the. Uh, I, I, I texted Jeff. I was trying. I've been thinking about it. The Keanu really is the the guide in the Holy Mountain. He's shaving down, you know, Gary Busey mm-hmm. on the one side and Patrick Swayze on the other, and yeah. uh, they are really kind of his blonde pupils that uh, Keanu would like to flip, you know, the mountain, and uh, <laughs> and it kind of does end at that at that high at that high mountain top kind of a, a approach, which is amazing, which is amazing. But yeah, that edge, mm-hmm. you know, just again, like I've said, like how mm-hmm. that edge that like how how many thousands of miles from any edge am I trying to am I trying to be uh, setting up camp, setting up camp <laughs> way in from the edge. <laughs> but, uh, you know, oh, and I was, uh, speaking wait. of, oh, my God, and just on side, side, wait, side note to that. I know. Go, go, go. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, we. I, before I forget, I, it makes me want to rewatch um, Annihilation also. Just getting close <laughs> we, to that we edge. We need to watch Annihilation right now at the beginning of spring oh, because all the, all the stuff oh, yeah. dying and all the oh, stuff. The floral like, stuff. Everything know, is like really like kind mm. of amorphous and permeable. It's so great. I love it. It's true. Continue. I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, but... Uh, and I can't not. Of course, I can't even remember what the what the the side note to it was. But um, oh, shit. 
I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I apologize. No, it's fine. My brain is, that's why I like, I think I always feel like I'm interrupting you constantly, but my brain is the, is a, a sieve, you know, so it'll, it'll come back and at same, some point. Same. Same, to, same, to you. <laughs> same sieve. Yeah. Um, I, I was thinking that the thing that like connects these three movies is like more like still images or like patterns rather than like plot similarities. Like there's same work. Like, <laughs> you know, well, like at the end of Point Break, when they're like jumping out of the uh, the um, the airplane and they make yeah. the ring, you know, the, yeah. the ring of sort of like solidarity of bank robbing surfers, the or Speed whatever. Star, or whatever oh, yeah. you call it, was it the Speed Star? Something, mm-hmm. and th- like that's a kind of twirling. And then the Texas Chainsaw Massacre had the twirling, and then mm-hmm. like Tilda Swinton's kind of twirling at the end. But like there were a lot of different moments that I think that you could sort of plot across that. Like if you're mm. doing the thing that like no one ever designed anything to, no one has watched these three movies together. Right, um, right. That's that's but, key. Um, yeah. So I can't I can't make some sort of claim that they're like that there's some sort of influence or some sort of overlap or whatever. But you really do mm. like. Um, there's definitely like scenes of. Um, you know, uh, rubble and flares and all of these, you know, yeah. where there's yeah. like, uh, uh, that, that sort of, where there's like a spectacle that's more trance-like and you're just watching something happen, especially yeah. in point break. I mean, point, point break is all about surfing. And yeah. so like, I, that was another sort of unconscious thing that came out is that like the surfing scenes and point break were much like, uh, the world in the last of England, you know, and the yeah. way that things are edited and the shakiness of it and the sort of way yeah. that you're like moving through these different landscapes. Mm. And some of it is like really beautiful, but it's also kind of dangerous. Too. Yeah, yeah. So it's more like the sort of at- atmospheres of them are, are like, it is like, like that was something that I actually felt when I kind of watched them back to back. It is. Um, it's all, yeah. it's, it is all edges. Yeah. I mean, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, uh, the next generation, uh, was really uh, interesting to see in terms of just like acting, you know, Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. you could look at the acting in that, like Renee Zellweger and like, like young her and young McConaughey and young, um, you know, Keanu Reeves, like looking at like people who are like just before their prime or at their prime was really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But that also wasn't so much about like plot similarities. It was just like this other layer of like, we're like recognizing these human beings who are kind of famous and then like seeing them at this like early stage and like looking at their potential and like, like I was was, like not looking at any of these movies very narratively this time. Right, Um, Right. I mean, I love the shit out of point break though this time. Like I forgot how good that movie is and like, it's really good. I, I want to like I want an entire separate movie just following Anthony Kiedis's character up until the point where his foot gets shot. Yeah, or, or like you said, like Tom Sizemore. Yeah, no, the, Tom, the undercover cop. The Tom Sizemore undercover cop movie is a movie I would. Oh man, want to see. Yeah, yeah, it's like a better Heat. Yeah. it's like a better. It's like a, a more compressed mm-hmm. Heat. Uh, the action is like... the juice. <laughs> but uh, but Lindsay was asking me, and I can't really answer how why Busey was a thing like how he kind of pops up in, in all in, in a lot of in a lot of movies and he's just hyster delirious like in this in this movie this i guess as he always is look up his um i mean i think his the oof. truth is that he was a he was a good actor who like had some problems yeah. mm-hmm. uh 
But it's such a strange. He's just such an absolutely strange caricature yeah. of a thing. But maybe supposed I mean, to be, yeah, like I, mean, I said, like as this foil of Swayze, kind of like this, yeah, interesting alien, alien Swayze, you know, to kind of, for Keanu to contemplate. Um, yeah. Well, it, you know, it is so much huh. about like weird, like choosing between two mentors, you know? Yeah. And like, uh, you know, one is sort of like the the guy that is like the football coach, you know, like Gary Busey and this is very much a football coach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but like in their relationship is is more like a sort of like a hot shot player who's like sort of thinks he doesn't have to listen to the coach because he doesn't really respect the coach at the beginning. And then he sort of, you know, it's like really kind of a sports movie mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's about it's yeah. about this sort of like thematic conflict between surfing and football you know yeah um, and how well, people like structure their identities around those two kinds of like you know sport you know identities which are super different you know um but i was thinking about the way like the like his his keanu's character in that movie johnny utah's like life around like the knee injury and how like the knee injury is like mm it's what like brings him there. And then it's like, it continues to like loom large over the, like, uh, sort of like the denouement of the movie. <laughs> One long day. Like, the, the knee, the knee injury really like becomes kind of like his main problem in many ways. But it could be the, like, but, it, but you know, like why that, that that's the antagonist is the knee yeah. injury. Well, yeah, yeah. well, I guess for for like me, you can't get away. Yeah, for me, it would be like that. Would be just ending the movie at you know at, at thirty forty five minutes into the end of the thing, and just not participating in the airdrop sequence, you know, or, or whatever. I just can't stu- well, but they're stomach. They're going to land anymore. on the water. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, I just can't handle anymore. And but you know the, the constantly like yeah again and all of them I guess just like this up, approaching at these edges of ourselves or our society whatever that uh, on the wall is is exciting to me but yeah it's more and more encroaching on my like comfort levels as a viewer which is just obviously very interesting to me mm-hmm. and. Um, but yeah, I just don't like the, I, some of the some of the, the moves that they make in in Point Break feel, and even in in in, in Texas Chainsaw Massacre Next Generation, I'm just like, okay, well, th- those are not my survival moves. You know, they're not part of my repertoire right at, the, at this at this <laughs> at this moment. It's a good so, point. Uh, it's a but good and, point. and again, again, just like edges that you know, of course, I, you don't want to approach which is basically where we where we've been living at every week it's interesting to think about like what i have to learn from a movie like point break in in that regard like <laughs> what like what could what could i even like incorporate into my life and is it is it really just the idea that like it, it's not surfing but like that something something could be the source like that it's worth loving something that much well yeah like, and when and when that 50 year moment gets there Oh, are you that, are yeah. you tuned you know attuned enough to to ride it on some level or to want to ride it and oh give it that God, thing yeah and then you know and even keanu knowing that that's keanu knowing the way that Bodie's 
attuned you know the, the way that that's going to oh, end <laughs> the way you know you know he, that he knows that it's got to end that way like that that's just I'm just thinking about the, the moment <laughs> when laurie petty is like he's his name's bodhi they call him bodhisattva <laughs> <laughs> Incredible definitely shit. like a 1993 relationship to buddhism in this movie uh, yes um, yeah yeah like I, I guess it was yeah again like maybe just an advertisement for swayze's coolness or and like a and a yeah a real a test for keanu a, a moment for keanu yeah. as an actor too but and i could never like i can't remember i guess i really resisted patrick swayze when i was younger in the 90s mm and uh too sexy for you, you yeah think? of course and i'd never seen I, I didn't see dirty dancing till much later past 2000 whatever and roadhouse uh, yeah see never saw roadhouse so much later i mean it's just like hmm. i think i resisted anything swayze and what's also amazing is like that you know of course they're chiseled but that like the, there's something about the way that these people are are made that just surprisingly like every day, you know, kind of everydayness to to swear. I mean, not everydayness, but uh, just a different look to these. He guys, doesn't look like dudes. the Rock yeah. or something. Yeah, different like, look. Yeah. And I remember, I remember Swayze just being this. Yeah, just this chiseled hunk of a of a human being, which he was. But well, um, he's he's like a he's like a Kurt Russell or something. He's like a sort of big fit dude with like stylish hair you know yeah yeah the hair is crucial on on swayze in this one too although i feel like not to get too far down this road kurt russell i feel like maybe like early kurt like escape from new york kurt russell sure but like i feel like Uh he ended up like have you guys seen the movie breakdown you have mentioned but yes i think a long time ago i saw you love breakdown you are a breakdown boy yeah, I am a breakdown boy. Kurt Russell has the capacity to play this kind of everyman that I think you would never believe out of Swayze. Like, yeah, Kurt yeah. Russell can kind of play a schmuck, like, a little bit. He yeah. can play a schmuck. Yeah. yeah. That's but that's Swayze, Swayze could never. Swayze <laughs> is always, like, even when he's not playing this role, he's always a spiritual charlatan yeah. of yes. some sort. Yeah. And, yes. like, I sort of think that, like, as a, as a, like, as being typecast, as like not even necessarily in the narrative. Like sometimes he's in stuff where you're supposed to like, I mean, it's, it's, it's different. I find it charming. Um, but like the, like Steven Seagal's like, like kind of bullshit wisdom of like, <laughs> in these movies where he's like, I hate violence, but I'll like, you know, c- you know, cut your throat with like a broken CD ROM or whatever. <laughs> like, it's, you know, like 15 that, minutes of internet. <laughs> yeah. That like that sort of faux wisdom in that yeah. like faux like so, I mean I actually find it pretty like when it's Patrick Swayze's it's yeah. like an uncle who has it and you're just mm-hmm. like oh that's my favorite uncle he's kind of full of shit he's probably a stoner maybe he needs to get his life together in some ways but you like the guy <laughs> yeah you know? which is the McConaughey like, the McConaughey I, Swayze thing going on yes too, yeah Ooh, yeah you know I was thinking but, McCon- but, McConaughey but, but, yeah no go well wait what was the best go ahead. It, but like I was to go on to, to uh, you know, him being the sort of like uncle, I sort of think <laughs> that like that's the uncle that like is also like the black sheep that like hangs out with you like in your room and listens to music like while the rest of the family eats Thanksgiving dinner. You know, like there's a very specific like kind of dungeon like uh, oh, romanticism. Dungeon of, like, uncle. I really kind of in some way really 
really trust the dungeon uncle. <laughs> dungeon oh, uncle. Oh man. The, I mean, well, a whole dungeon new archetype. Oh yeah, I know. It's just like as my a, as a teacher, my persona now is dungeon, dungeon uncle. uncle. It really is. Oh my god, that's a really good point. Yeah, it yeah. opened yeah. up a whole new that's layer. What, uh, that's what teaching is. Yeah, I, it's like, for me, it's like, you know, these students that I talk to after class who, like, are into the class or whatever, it's totally Dungeon Uncle, where, like, I try to be honest without, like, you know, getting all wrapped up in their stuff, you know, yeah. but just being like, yeah, like, this part of being a student is really hard, or this part of being a person yeah. is this young stuff, yeah. you know? But like it's, but I don't think about it in terms of some sort of like moral lesson. I'm just like trying to be honest. Exactly. About like, well, yeah. This is part about. This is what's shitty about being twenty, and this is what's like awesome about being like forty six. And you know, like. But that's know. what also. But so, yeah. So yeah, Dungeon but, Uncle is a dangerous game, though. But even as you know, as friend, it, it, like you were saying, there's there's some let level of being a a, a friend and commiserating in the dungeon that I'm actually not, mm-hmm. you know, not very good at and want to be better at too. I'm just kind of saying, yeah, that does suck, you know, and, and kind of mm-hmm. not that there's not that there's nothing else to it, you know, but what's kind of oh, interesting about the chainsaw massacre thing is just like that. There's just this, yeah, just that, that drone level of uh, atmosphere to it. That that's just, this is who we are. And I guess to a, a lot of, what yeah. we watch and what whatever and what we make as what people or whatever and it's just kind of keeps coming through it's just like that yeah that kind of what, that yeah. low hum, that doom hum i wonder how to read like that's an interesting thought of reading movies that way like um about thinking about well like when things suck you and you like go to people and you like tell them about how things suck. You know, you tend to either get back from people like solutions to your problems, yeah, you, like solutions you don't want to your problems, mm-hmm. or like solutions that don't make any sense, or <laughs> or like commiseration and like, um, which feels good. Like, I, I do, I do find that often what I'm looking for is just someone to be like, yeah, that sucks, yeah, it's true, yeah, um. And like not trying to like solve a problem for me, but I'm thinking about how to like read that in movies. Like one of the things that is appealing about Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation is the way Zellweger's character, like really kind of accepts what's happening to her and uh-huh. try. She like deals with the situation on the ground in a way that feels like really instructive to me. Like she's not trying to like complain about it. She's just trying to like, see if she can get the lay of the land and see if there's a way out. And like uh-huh. in the moments where she k- thinks there isn't, she's just like, well then just fucking kill me already. Like wh- what are we doing here? Like um, it's like yeah. really good horror movie behavior, which feels like it could be really like life instructive. In some way. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah, that's to a true layer to it. And uh, yeah, how to, how just, uh, yeah, how to behave in an emergency, you know, or <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I think a lot of like you're talking about like commiseration and I was thinking of like movie genres. And I think that there's probably a movie genre that is exploratory commiseration over a period Mm. of time between characters, you know, where that's the main thing or where that's a big part of it, you know? Yeah. Um, Like what? Well, that was like, um, like what comes to mind? I mean, I think that like, you know, something like, 
it's an aspect of a lot of things. If you think of something like Seven Samurai or whatever, like there's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there's, there's parts of it where like there's a, there's a stratum of commiseration between a lot of different characters. And that, yeah. that is like one of the, one of the sort of fabrics that's, that's weaved together by the movie is like, that you know people are coming from these different kind of precarious or uh, like degraded or uh like you know frowned upon or or judged situations and and they're like they're showing that they're they're more than the the sum of their like sort of individual you know Mm -hmm. i love this yeah yeah um yeah there's like this okay so like i'm thinking back to what we were saying about um, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies earlier about like the tension uh, and release of, or uh, I guess it's just tension in Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies of like, you're looking for help. Like um, things relax enough that you're able to go look for help. And then you find the help and it's like nightmare help that makes things worse. Oh, but yeah. like, um, nightmare but, like, help is <laughs> But the tension, I'm just thinking about how all, like, all, like, almost all, like, narrative fiction sort of works this way, where, like, people get, people get into these, like, like, when, when, like, you're following along with a character going through some sort of ordeal, and when they're alone, the tension builds, like, they're in danger, or, like, they're alone, and there's no one to help them, and, like, they're going through all this shit, and then, like, there is, like, this moment where, like, they find a friend or they commiserate in some way. And like, it like feels like, like there's like a tension and release in aloneness versus togetherness or something. Like, yeah. you know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, well, I, I think that like, you know, Seth is watching the day after right now. I would say is. like the day after is only exploratory commiseration because there's nothing else to do. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, and what, what and that with this given time, with this given constraint, you know, the, like you were saying, this Olympian Olympian thing of the constraint within which we we've been bound in in, yeah. in all these situations. What performance is gonna is gonna is gonna take place, and where it seems like, you know, the endings are almost always in, inevitable, mm-hmm. but. Um, but yeah, there's still something to that, to that dance. That's, that's, um, I mean, but again, like Seth, you know, that's what's always so, been so fascinating to me about the concept of like saying that you don't like horror because it's all, to me, it's always the same thing. Like whether it's a comedy, yeah, comedy and horror is like this is, is basically the same thing to me in a lot of ways. I'm getting or there. The, or the, I'm getting or the, there. But I mean, just in the sense of like me, myself being kind of reminded of my own mortality constantly or my own anxiety constantly in whatever you know whatever is before my eyes like comedy does that to you well i mean or you know like some of the things that we like you're watching like dumb and dumber and you're being reminded of your own we can go there but then i like i said we you know then i think there was always a guilt factor watching something that really Uh felt like a a true escape like something that that might actually Mm. be trying to escape and not be honest with not grapple with kind of what we were what we've been contemplate yeah i talk about this a lot in therapy actually like that my like need to not look away like uh, like i don't (laughs) ever want to i don't ever want to feel for a second like i'm not paying attention or like i'm being like duped into like not 
being as sad as I am or something. (laughs) Like, I don't want to feel like I'm being fooled for a second ever, you know? And like so much of the joy maybe of life is like these moments where you're just like happily fooled for a little while. Mm. Like, of course. um, Yeah. yeah. I'm afraid to feel fooled. I'll be your fill-in when you are blue so you can fool me some more. I know you'll hike it, someday you'll pack, then you'll be leaving my door. But I kind of like it, taking you back, so you can fool me some more. I only look for roses when in season. Ah, but you're a rose that comes and goes without a I make my mind up, I'm just a fool, someday I'll even the score, only to wind up breaking the rule, so you can fool me some more.